The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, Recently. Rock the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, The Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning. <laughs> you know, it's funny, every week we start out and I'm thinking, I'm going to be able to remember everything I did during the week and by it, Saturday's just up as soon as Tuesday's over. That's what it seems like to me. I don't know about you, but that's what it seems like to me. Anyway, if you would like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com. And also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you want to watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the faces made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. 
and uh, scroll down right side of the page and you will see that we're streaming live there. Just blow that up on the device that you have and uh, join us in there. Uh, click it up. When you when you blow it up on the screen, click on the icon there and uh, join us in the chat. Lots of friends in there this morning. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you guys. And uh, then right above where we're streaming live is Bradley's show from yesterday. I believe you had representative eric mortensen i didn't get to see it i just started it and i was doing some other things so i didn't get to see that so um if you want to check that out please do so right above that is where you can sign up for our email newsletter and you get one of those a day including the morning morning show archive so be sure to do that and then if you would like to help us in the message if you agree with the message that we have and you would like to help us in that uh, again we never ask you for money but it does cost money to do the things that we do i mean that's just the world we live in, right? Um, <clears throat> there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly. Set that up, and um, it's painless after that, right? And you get some discounts in the store, some goodies and stuff like that when you do that, and uh, you can set that up at whatever rate you want to do. Also, our store is available. So uh, lots of conversation starters, equipping tools in there, and this week we're highlighting Bradley's Deadlock Drum Pad. Uh, used to come with a DVD, and I don't know if they're going to plan on, you know, I want to make an, uh, you know, an observation and say, hey, why don't, why don't you just take the DVD, because I don't think they have those anymore. Just take the video footage, put it online for free, and just, you know, give a link over there to go with the uh, the Deadlight drum pad. Uh, so it's, it's a metronome for drummers. That's what it is, okay? Normally $60. You can get 50% off this week only through Saturday at midnight when you use the promo code DRUMS. That's D-U... D-R-U-M-S, drums, okay? Use that promo code. You get 50% off. That's through Saturday night at midnight. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, make a drummer in your family happy. <laughs> or or create a new drummer. That's a good thing to do. You know, Create somebody who's, got, who's musically inclined and, and all of that. Now, with that said, I've got a couple of things here uh, I want to show you before we get into... What we're doing, uh, what we're going to talk about today, but it's going to it's going to involve <clears throat> all of these things that you're going to see, and those of you listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, they're just short little videos. One of these, you there's not you're going to hear some noise if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio. I'll narrate it for you. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Now, some of you have seen in China where you know they're grabbing adults and they are injecting them. With these, with the convids, right? I mean, that's what they're injecting them with. Let's just make no no bones about it. The people who are getting the shot, I mean, the real shot. I'm not talking about the placebo because we're still in the experiment. All of you people taking the shot, if you're listening to me right now, you are ones who are involved in an experiment. They are making a guinea pig out of you. And you are willingly going along because of your fear of man, because of your fear of virus, you know, viruses, Sicknesses, death. Jesus takes away the fear of death. I just want to let you know. He takes away the fear of death. And um, so we've seen some of those videos. Check this out. This is actual parents grabbing their kids all over the shot sites in China. The kids are trying to get away from it. They do not want it. And you go, well, kids normally want to uh, not you know, get stuck with a needle. I agree with you. I never acted like this. I never, even though I didn't want them, I never acted like this. I, you know, I may have cried because I didn't want the shot as a kid, but 
I never did any. These kids look like they're trying to just run for their lives. Okay, check this out. Now, for those listening, there's a couple of kids here. There's a person that's going to give them a shot doing a dad. Then there's a mom with two kids. And there's another one over in the side with their kids. And they're trying to drag them over there to get these shots. Okay? Like good little communists. That's, that's, what, that's what's going on. That they're doing this. And um, additionally, we got this report. Now, this one comes out of Australia. And the unvaccinated lockdown, you, you, Austria, I'm sorry, not Australia. We had a story on this yesterday. Austria wants to lock down the unvaccinated, okay? Not everybody, just the unvaccinated. If this isn't reminiscent of Nazi Germany, I don't know what is. 2021 meets 1939. Check out this report from Down Under. Good evening. Thousands of people have brought the city to a standstill, rallying on the steps of state parliament demanding the premier be sacked. The protesters again fighting proposed laws that would give Daniel Andrews the power to declare a pandemic. Here's our state political reporter, Mark Santomartino. You couldn't see a square inch of the road. This is in Austria. Footpaths beneath a sea of frustrated Victorians stretching for blocks down. And for Brooks those Street, who are listening, returning for the largest rally yet against the, the people are pandemic packed shoulder to shoulder in the street in that drone shot there. They came from all directions, starting at the state library, swarming through the city, carrying the Madonna and a familiar-looking punching bag. Self-proclaimed, undisputed, locked champion of the world, Mr. Dan Andrews. It's just a memento for today. It's not about punching it. We're about a peaceful protest and really understanding why we're here, to kill the bill. It's up to us to become proactive in the political process and make our voices heard. There's an election coming and they'll, they'll have to answer to all these people. A fact not lost on Craig Kelly or Bernie Finn. We have all had a gutful. Claire Woodley dedicating her father's famous song, We Are One. To the brave victims and survivors of satanic ritual abuse. A conspiracy theory less prevalent in a larger, more diverse and mostly peaceful crowd. Many of the people that you see here are just normal everyday people worried about their jobs, they're worried about their kids, they're worried about their rights being infringed and they want to take a stand for it and good on them. Enough is enough. Business is already hard enough as it is without having these political rocks thrown in their road. Well the protest has been going for hours, the rain has started to fall and even more are continuing to arrive. This group is walking up Spring Street toward the steps of state parliament where already tens of thousands of people are. Groups were splintering off. Huh, at least they're being honest. The tens of thousands. With every step. And there's tons of people out in Austria. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not a pro-vaxxer. I'm a pro-choicer. So it's all about choice. All right. So it's all about choice. Well, it's not really all about choice. It's all about liberty. Let's get that right. Because see, the the See, now they're. I, I want people to understand something. The people who are coming along with pro choice, you're following in the same language as those who murder babies. You don't want that. Don't say that. Say you're pro liberty. You, God has given you the control over your own body. And in giving you control, you're not to be a tyrant with your body. You don't have, 
you are you don't have the um, it is not pro choice for you to go mate yourself with a harlot. Okay, it's not. It's unlawful for you to do that. Now, some people may not like what I say about that. That that is unlawful for you to do. Why? Because the lawgiver said it's unlawful. It is unlawful for you to go and be with somebody who is not your spouse. It is unlawful for you to harm your body. And what I, what I mean is, you're not to be. You see this stuff with what we call "quote unquote" transgenders. There is no such thing. There's male and female. And even I'm having to think through this. I can catch some of it, but I'm having to think through it because you're constantly inundated. Even the conservatives of the day write about the transgender, the transgender. There is no such thing. Nobody's transitioning from a gender to another gender. Okay? Nobody's doing that. I think I made comments before, not to get off on a rabbit trail, but you guys are familiar with this person... um, Blair White, it's a boy, it's a guy, it's not a boy, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a male, he's had surgery to his face to make him appear as a female, he's had breast implants, he acts very feminine, speaks very feminine, a lot of the things, it, it, I, I've listened to a couple of videos because so many people said, oh, he's so conservative, he's not conservative, What does it mean to be conservative? Let let me ask you that. Let me pose the question. What does it mean to be conservative? Does it have any meaning? Well, not in the political realm, it doesn't. But conservative, think about it. Conserve. What's being conserved by conservatives today? What's, What's being conserved? Are conservatives conserving real money, constitutional money? No, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Are conservatives conserving real rights, liberties from God that we're given, and the fact that government is restricted from infringing on those rights? Nope, they're not doing it. They're infringing on them too. And I'm talking about the political class and those who might be listening to me who follow some of that political class. Pick your your, um, person. I had a guy the other day saying, Liz Cheney has has one of the, the greatest conservative voting records and everybody's attacking her. And I went and pulled up the Freedom Index, and I just showed it to him. Now, she's gotten better this this congressional cycle. I'll tell you that. She, according to the Freedom Index, she's gotten better than she was the previous couple of cycles. But this lady was in failure. She was like 50%, 60% constitutional in her votes. Now she's around around 80. But the fact of the matter is is they don't conserve anything. They keep giving away the store little by little by little by little. That The store is you, by the way, folks. It's you. It's you and me. They're giving it away. They're traitors to the people. They're criminals. So we see here in Austria, they're standing up against it. And, uh, you know, look, uh, I understand Austria and what was going on in World War II. You guys ever see, uh, you know, I love, the, I, I love the film Sound of Music. If that makes me a little wimpy to some of you people, then whatever. But I, I like the Sound of Music uh, because it ties in some of that history. Um, of course, obviously, it's Hollywood. There's some embellishment and stuff like that, just like there is with everything. But what it does is it should drive you to go and study it out for yourself. 
That's what I've always found out, whether it was William Wallace. You know, William Wallace, Braveheart, is big time embellished by Hollywood, Mel Gibson. It's big time embellished. You look at the claymore that that guy had. It was as big as he was. He was six foot something, by the way. I'd love to play this guy, Little Bear Wheeler. We got it for our kids when they were little. I still got the VHS tape. Yes, VHS. If you're a young person listening to me and you don't know what VHS is, it's like this big um, cassette tape. And you go, well, if you're a kid, you're going, what's a cassette tape? <laughs> it's like a big cassette tape with video on it. And uh, and Little Bear is laying out some of the stuff about William Wallace. It's It's pretty fascinating. And though William Wallace would adhere to the Psalms and he would speak to these things, I also got one of my son's uh, historian, supposed to be one of the greatest historians on William Wallace. You know, William, William Wallace was caught in bed with his mistress. It shows you he's a man. It shows you that he was one who was not perfected. He's not a god. He's not any of this larger than life on the silver screen guy. He was a regular man. He was tempted in all ways, just like the Lord Jesus, except Jesus was without sin. And he was surrounded. Well, he wasn't surrounded. There were a few of the English guys who came in. And his friend, alleged to friend, came in and said, hey, you're surrounded. You better give yourself up. Wallace could have went out and whooped them all. There was just that, that little bit of people. But he went out and surrendered himself so that nothing would happen there uh, with, with those he loved. All right, one more, and uh, then we're going to get to our topic here. <clears throat> this is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, he's going to mention democracy. I'm just going to say it right off. I, I appreciate, look, I know he's a Kennedy. I get it. I get that. That does not change the truth of what he says. Okay? I, I'm going to tell you, I I cringe when Bradley quotes, quotes Abraham Lincoln, but what he says <laughs> when he quotes him is actually true, and I agree with the statement. I did ah. What are you going to do? Your southern boy blood wants to boil when anybody wants to mention Abraham Lincoln. But I agree with what he says about the, the quotes that he gets. This is, this is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I want you to take a listen to what he has to say about what's going on in the tyranny in our country. Not Austria, but in our country. Listen to this. You think about this. I got expelled from Instagram because of vaccine misinformation. But... Instagram and Facebook cannot point to one single erroneous statement that I ever made. Everything we post is vetted. It is sourced and cited to government databases or peer-reviewed publications. When they use the term vaccine misinformation, they are using it as a euphemism for any statement that departs from official government policy. That's right. That's exactly what it is. And pharmaceutical industry profit-taking. It has nothing to do whether it's true or false. It only has to do with what the political implications are. And who is doing this censorship? It's government officials in league with Bill Gates, with Larry Ellison, with Mark Zuckerberg, with Sergey Brin from Google, and with all of these internet titans, they have engineered not only the destruction of our democracy and our civil rights, but they have engineered the biggest shift of wealth 
in human history. $3.8 trillion from working people to these handful of billionaires, many of them from Silicon Valley. This pandemic has impoverished the world and created 500 new billionaires. And those are the people who are strip mining our economies and making themselves rich. And is it a coincidence that these are the same people who are censoring criticism of the government policies that are bringing them trillions of dollars? People aren't stupid. We can see what's happening. We can ask the question, qui bono? And the answer is the people who are benefiting are the people who are squeezing away our constitutional rights and engineering the destruction of democracy worldwide. Well, they're not. See, I don't like this term democracy because that implies if you get more people to determine what's right and wrong, well, then that becomes, quote unquote, law. That's the, that's this is why democracy is a bad term to use. Um. I would say it is they are pushing tyranny worldwide. Let's just let's put it for the for what it actually is. They are pushing tyranny. They're not trying to tear down democracy. They're trying to push down they're trying to push down law and they're trying to advance tyranny. Let's let's put it for what it is. Let's quit you guys using tyranny. And if somebody wants to pass this along to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., maybe he'll get what I'm saying. I'd love to have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on and kind of communicate that and say Quit pushing this stuff. Get the language right. Words have meaning. Get the language right. But what he's exa- he's exactly right in what he's saying here. And he's pointing out the fact that tyranny is advancing, and it's advancing because, yeah, people are angry. They're upset. They know it's wrong. They just don't know what to do about it. They haven't been trained in that for the last... 40, 50, 60 years here in America, in large measure, it's been ignorance of the law. And look, I'm going to tell you, I'm one who is learning how laws or what laws are in place that, that are lawful that we can use against tyrants, against the slave masters, against the lenders, against the, the, the bankers. I'm learning some of that. I'm not a know-it-all. But I'm learning some of that, and I'm seeing it in a lot of things that we're dealing with. One more, and I'm going to play this, and you're, you're just going to love this. Because how many of you guys saw Angela Merkel, you know, um, chancellor out there in Germany? And she's walking into this place, and she walks in with her mask, you know, when she thinks the cameras are all on her. And then as soon as she gets in the door, she's like a weeble wobble. And you guys know I don't, I'm not fattest. I'm, I'm not Kate Shimrani. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. But she kind of does a weeble wobble inside. Okay, this is a lady who needs to control her own health before she starts thinking about her best. And I'm just, I'm the only reason I say that is because when people who are, so overweight like this, want to tell everybody else about their own health, that's hypocrisy. I'm just telling you. And that's not against people who are overweight. I'm, I'm not trying to, to bash people overweight, okay? I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm saying it's, it, it, 
if you go down that road, I'm going to call it your hypocrisy. And and Angela Merkel is one of those people. Listen to what this lady has. Now, it's in it's in German, so but there is a lady who is translated. So I want you guys to listen to what she has to say. It's only a few seconds here. Listen to what this chick has to say. Now the vaccine is here, and all we have to do is grab it. Just grab, grab it. it fast. Grab it fast. I beg you, join in and try to convince relatives and friends too. Oh, yeah. If we stand together, if we think about protecting ourselves and caring for others, we can save our country a lot this winter. Can somebody help me with uh, my overhanging gut? Somebody has said that this this chick is uh, related to Hitler. I don't know. Maybe she is. Maybe she is. I, I, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm just going to say the hypocrisy is appalling. This lady's looking at a heart attack. <laughs> anyway, that's just some of the videos. Now, these were sent to me by Kate, and uh, I'm very appreciative because uh, Kate kind of keeps me up to, up to speed on a lot of things that you know, she thinks is important there. And most of the stuff, almost almost all of it's really good in pointing out some certain things. And so I'm very appreciative of that. So let's ask a question. Angela Merkel says that the people should be working alongside government because, as you heard from Robert F. Kennedy Jr., every almost every Western government, and I'm saying that West. When I speak of Western, here's what I'm talking about: you know, those who have Christian foundations. Does that make sense, everybody? I don't care if you're an athe- if you claim to be an atheist fraudulently. By the way, Romans one says every man knows, every creature knows of their creator. They just don't want to honor him as the creator. Okay. I'm not going to give up that. You can make all your arguments you want, and in the end, I'm going to say, why are you angry with God? I told you guys about the uh, God's Not Dead video when that came out, and I can remember in this very room that I'm, that I'm in right now, which is our dining room now, it used to be our living room. And I remember our, our sofa kind of wrapped around here, TV set over here, and we were watching the God's Not Dead video. And I paused it right before Kevin Sorbo, you know, he's playing the professor, is about to answer the kid who's saying, I paused it, all the kids, my wife are sitting around, I said, you know what he's going to say here? He's going to ask him why he's he's um, angry with God. And I pushed the play, and that's exactly what the guy did. And the character unleashed, I'd never seen the film, I just know from dealing with them. Over and over and over and over again. When I worked for Nicene Council, I ran the YouTube channel. And I would, and this is why I don't get caught up in the comment section for a large measure, because it just eats away at my time. And a lot of times that, that generates more heat than it does light. But the point with the self-professed atheist is not that he doesn't have evidence. It's like the gentleman who jumped in our chat and he said something about, he's talking like, he was rejecting there was a creator, so I said, call in. So he did. It's self-evident within people, just like what our founders said in the Declaration of Independence. They were saying, our Creator has given us certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or it was originally the pursuit of property. And so, men know there's a creator. They know they're accountable to him. You can tell me all day long, I don't believe in your your fake fairy tale 
you know, genie in the sky. You can tell me that all you want to. All right? You can deceive yourself. And I'm going to continue to go back to Romans 1, and I'm going to say, why are you angry with God? And eventually, if you keep, I, I, I tell them, I don't leave that foundation. And Christians, you should never abandon that for some kind of philosophical argument. As soon as you do, you've lost the argument. You, you just have lost it. I know from experience, you've lost the argument. You will never bring to bear the gospel of Jesus Christ on such a person because you've already abandoned your foundations. Stick to what the Word says. The Word says that all men know there is a God, they know they're accountable to Him, but they don't want to be accountable to Him. They don't want to honor Him as God. Okay? And so what happens? You drive them to that and they recognize it. And even they... Many of these people you saw in that crowd of Austrians, many, I'll bet you many of them proclaim to be agnostics, which means you're really not smart about anything, uh, or atheists, which means you're in denial of reality. Or they might be, there might be some Muslims in the crowd. There might be Hindus. There might be Buddhists. There might be you know, pagans, just outright pagans in there. Why can they see its tyranny? Because they're made in the image of the living and the true God. That's why. So when people say, well, Tim, you're being ecumenical. Look, I've been very clear that everybody who engages in advancement against tyranny, I'm going to support you in that. Why? Because the Bible says that we're to love justice. We're to love justice. And they are pushing for justice. In that, And I'm going to stand with that. I'm going to stand with justice. Even on the behalf of those who I disagree with. But I'm also going to be clear. They do not serve the one living and true God. If they disagree with what the scriptures say. It's plain and simple. Okay? Now let me give you a few examples here. And uh, I was going to go down the road of some of... Uh, some of the issue of money, but let me, in the, in the midst of this, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put these up as uh, links in the, in the archive, okay? Because we're, we're low on time here, and I want to get to the biblical position. For those of you who says, uh, for those of you who say, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, I know it's not what the Bible says. Eric, Eric's saying that tongue in cheek. <laughs> you got to know Eric, and uh, it, and look, Eric has said he's told us he's not a believer, but you know what? He comes in every morning and he supports the very things that we talk about. And I appreciate Eric popping in here because I got to tell you, Eric has more common sense. I don't want to say common sense. That's not even a good word to. That's not even a good term to use, really, because it's not that common. Eric has his eyes opened a little more than most people who profess to be Christian. He sees what tyranny is. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. He's, he's not against you in that area, uh, Brandon. <laughs> just, just letting you know. Get to know Eric. He's, you know, he's, he's a pleasant guy. He really is. And uh, uh, anyway... So I, I'm not going to go down this road, but one of them is I want you to see some videos out of Connecticut. So I'm going to drop this link into the Morning Show archive. In some parts of America, looting has become a way of life. You ought to watch this. These people are so brazen that in broad daylight, 
they're running out of out of Target with a basket full of stuff. Okay, yeah, you believe in God, but there's a difference in believing in God. Demons do that, and they tremble. And so we're talking about the gospel. Sorry if I if I was uh, off on that a little bit. These people run out of the store with their baskets full of of all things Tide products. <laughs> <laughs> and and all kinds of stuff. And they're chunking it in their vans as fast as they can in broad daylight. And the guy's videoing it. And one of his fellow employers says, Don't don't interfere with them. You'll get fired. People worried about their stupid jobs. You say, but that's how I provide for my family. No, friends, listen to me. There is something far more important than your J-O-B. It's called honoring the Creator. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. What are all these things He's talking about? Well, you go back prior to that, and He's talking about the things of life, the provisions of life. He talks about the flowers of the field are clothed, right? The animals are fed, all of these kinds of things. And He says, if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. That's an easy trap to fall into. Let me tell you, I've been in that trap. To where we take a virtue as men, of providing for our families, and we fall into the trap that we are the end all of providing for our families. I've done that. That's a sin. Because it sets up us as God, that we're the ones who are going to provide, with or without God, and then we take what is a good thing under God, honoring Him, and we set ourselves up as an idol. Our own selves. We set ourselves up as God. To do that. That's wrong. It's in need of repentance. And I can say that as one who has repentance of that. Okay? We can take even what's good and make it evil. I mean, did you guys read the story about the bronze serpent? You remember when the children of Israel were complaining against God, blah, 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 we're dying and all this, and God sent fiery serpents among them and the people were dying. And then he said, Moses, you make this bronze serpent, you stick it on the pole, you hold it up, and anybody that looks to that, to that, to that brazen serpent will be healed. And the Bible says that those who looked to it were healed if they were bitten. And then later on, what did the people do? They took that brazen serpent and they made it an idol. And it had to be broken because it had no power in and of itself. Just like the Ark of the Covenant. I hear people talking about the Ark of the Covenant, not to get off on a on a sidetrack, but I hear people talking, oh, the Ark of the Covenant has been found in Ethiopia. Who cares? Guess what? I have the one who gave the covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need the trinkets anymore. I don't need the shadows. I don't need the antitypes. I don't need the types. I have the reality in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I have. And you do too if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, a real believer in the Lord Jesus, not a professed believer. But if you're a real believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have it too. Let me give you a couple examples. I've made mention of these before, and in the 20 minutes or so that we have left here... (laughs) uh, Yes, you know, Philly, I like like him too. (laughs) Sorry. For those listening, yeah, Philly popped in. I love Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, good morning. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, okay, so let me give you a few examples. Because I'm sure there's somebody out there that you're in one of these wimpy, milk toast, sold out, treasonous, uh, sinful abominations of a church, or that call themselves a church, and they teach you to submit to tyranny no matter what, because Romans 13 says blah, 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 blah. Just like the pastor at Community Bible Chapel in Richardson, Texas, Robert, I hope I say his name, Deffenbog, here's what he says. Whether the government be totalitarian or democratic, whatever that means, the Christian's obligation is to submit to it is the same. No, it is not. Robert Deffenbog is a false teacher. You should run from him as fast as you can. If you're in that church in Community Bible Church, Bible Chapel, Richardson, Texas. You should run from that guy as fast as you can, first after calling him to repent and condemning him and his teaching if he won't do so. That is not what the Bible says. It's not what it says at all. My friend Gordon Runyon, we've had Gordon on the show several times, and I, I love Gordon. Gordon, Gordon, and I, I, matter of fact, now that I'm saying that, I'm going to call him later today. I haven't talked with him in a while. Gordon is out in this little city in New Mexico, faithfully preaching the Word of God week in, week out, whether people believe it or whether they don't believe it. He's faithful in doing that. He's the one who wrote that book, Resistance to, to, to Tyrants. On Romans 13. I highly recommend it. If you want to know what Romans 13 is and you want it in layman's terms, you want it real simple and concise, it's a little book about that bigger you can get it on Kindle, whatever the case may be. Gordon does it. He doesn't use a bunch of big theological words. It's not, you know, an inch thick book, it's a real small one. But you can grasp what Romans 13 is saying from what Gordon does. And Gordon is just incredible. We used to blog together. And uh, he, he, he taught me a lot. He really taught me a lot. And I'm so thankful uh, for Gordon Runyon. Here's what he said. This is not an unrealistic or abstract concept. Now, he's relating to what I just read to you from Robert Deffenbach. After all, most churches in Nazi-era Nazi Germany, I'm sorry, I'm reading off another page here looking beyond the mic, supported the Nazis. That's right. I want you to think about something. If you go to a church and they have an American flag in there and they've got a Christian flag and all this stuff, you need to think about what they're doing. I told you, I walk into a church and I see nationalism on display. I'm not staying there. I'm not going to, I'll, because I've already taken my family. They may teach a a, a right biblical teaching, but I'm not going to stay there because they're holding up the idol of nationalism. We are citizens of heaven first and foremost. As believers, under King Jesus, period. That's where that's where that's where we start. Second, I'm a citizen of South Carolina. I'm not a citizen of the United States, even though technically I'm a, I'm deemed that. I'm going to be changing that very soon. South Carolina National. Here it is, right here. The Ger- This is Gordon. The German clergy use the same rationale to support Hitler that many American churches are using today to demand obedience to authority and that is Romans 13. The German Christians were strongly nationalistic. Where did that come up with? Oh yeah, that came up with Donald Trump, didn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Hitler was that too, by the way. I'm not trying to equate the two in that term. I'm just saying he was nationalistic. Listen to his speeches. Very much pro-German. Was often cited as, uh, or excuse me, the passage in Romans 13 was often cited as a proof of a correlation between the church and state. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists the what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now keep that in mind when I give you examples here straight from the Bible about resisting tyranny. German church leaders, uh, Runyon goes on to say, German church leaders even criticized Christians for disobeying their governing authorities by protecting Jewish refugees by hiding them in their houses. Corrie ten Boom was one of those famously in history that was that, that was the case. Hitler shows how tyrannical or rulers view those who obey a demand for obedience. He ridiculed German Christians behind their backs for being so submissive in obeying the Nazis. The pro- here's what here was here's yeah. here's what was written. The Protestants haven't the faintest conception of a church. You can do anything you like with them. This is Hitler. They will submit. This is the tyrant telling the people of Germany that he knows he knows what they're all about. They're cowards. He goes on, and, and again, this is this is Germany, or this is a uh, Hitler. These pastors are used to cares and worries. They learnt them from their squires. They are insignificant little people. And don't think for a minute that Donald Trump doesn't know this, Joe Biden doesn't know this, and the rest of the slew of D.C. organized crime doesn't know this. They know the vast majority of pastors in America are cowards insignificant little people wanting to be significant, wanting to be relevant. They know it. He says they're insignificant little people, they're submissive as dogs, and they sweat with embarrassment when you talk to them. That's right, because they have no heart, they have no courage, they have no strength, they have no conviction of the truth. They want the approbations of men just like the Pharisees that Jesus condemned to hell. Woe to you, you hypocrites. Well said, Gordon Runyon. Let me give you a couple of examples here. Because if you're a person that says, well, we should submit because God's given the authority, right? I mean, isn't that what we just read in Romans 13? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists that which God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So, well, Tim, we can't, I mean, some people have the idea, these are our rulers, these are our leaders. No, they're not. In this government, the United States government, you and I are the rulers, We're just passing off the authority that we have under God to representatives to deal with some certain things, very limited things that we laid out on our behalf. That's that's how our government is. In this society, there's one king, and it's King Jesus, or that's the way it's supposed to be, and under him, we are ruling and reigning with Christ. Does that sound familiar with people? Hmm? Does that sound familiar with you? Does that sound biblical to you? 
Mm-hmm. Ruling and reigning with Christ. And I got to ask you something. What would Christ do with tyrants who are disobeying his law, who are going outside the bounds of the Constitution, who are ruling immorally, who are ruling abominably in some cases? What would he do? Well, the Bible says that he's going to crush them with a rod of iron. He's not waiting to do that on some posted stamp piece of land out in the Middle East in some temple that people think is going to be built and all this other stuff. He's not waiting to do that. He has been doing that since since the first century. Go read Revelation chapter 1 through 3, and you'll see he says that the one who overcomes over and over, he's going to do certain things for them. And one of those things is... Going to sit on my, he's going to sit on the throne with me. He's going to, I'm going to, I've got a rod of iron that I'm ruling with, even as my father gave it to me. You see, look, if you're a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, get your theology right. Your theology is going to affect not only how you think, it's going to affect what you do. If you are one of these doom and gloom Christians, you don't have a right theology. And your need of correction. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Look, Paul addressed the Thessalonians. I think Paul in First and Second Thessalonians, when we were teaching that to a church plant over here in Gastonia, North Carolina, years ago, one of the conclusions we came to was Paul was addressing the fact of he was correcting what people call even historic premillennialism. He was correcting that. Because they were all, oh, the doom and gloom is going. He's like, guys, I done told you. This isn't coming to the man of sin is revealed, blah, blah, blah. He's telling you all these things, and that was about to happen. Why? Because Paul was not writing to you and me. He was writing to a first century audience. And he says, I've told you, this is coming, but it hasn't come yet. It's about to come, but it hasn't come yet. And it did come. And those of you who get caught up in you know, newspaper theology, where you're, or eschatology, let me change that. Eschatology, oh, this is that, and this is that. Forget that stuff. Get in the Word, know what it says, and then draw application from that. Okay? Draw application from it. Let me give you a couple of examples, because I just read from Romans 13, some people say, oh, it says not to resist, you know, the authorities, because then you're resisting God. Keep in mind, Paul is being prescriptive there. He's telling you how things should be. He's not being descriptive because you've got the Caesars. They claimed they were gods and had all this authority, blah, 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 blah. That's nonsense. They were tyrants. Okay? So let me give you a couple of examples that I've mentioned in passing when I talk about tyranny. Here is from Exodus chapter 5. and I, Moses is one of the great examples because you've got to understand who Moses is. Moses was the son of Hebrew slaves, right? And his mama believed the Lord like the, the, the um, I hate this when my mind just goes blank here. The midwives, I'm trying to say, the ladies who helped my wife deliver our babies, or at least our last five babies. Moses was kept alive when he should have been snuffed out. Okay, His mom puts him in a basket. Sends him down the river, trusting God in that. And lo and behold, where does Moses end up? Of all places, he doesn't end up in the mouth of a crocodile in the Nile. He doesn't end up in another slave's hands. He doesn't end up in the, the hands of, an, of the Egyptians somewhere out throughout the land. He ends up in the house of Pharaoh. I mean, 
That is not chance, folks. If you believe in chance, you really need to real rethink your worldview. You really do. This is the hand of God directing that basket with that little baby who would be a type of Christ to deliver his people from bondage. He delivered that guy right into the heart of the beast, if you will. Pharaoh stuck him in his house. Listen to what the scriptures say. And we may go over a little bit. I'm just going to tell you. Because I, 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 this is so important. If you're a person who's been taught the wrong understanding of, of Romans 13, you have to square that. You have to make that, you have to see how that's consistent with the rest of Scripture, Old and New Testaments, okay? So here's what the Bible says. And I think the word is powerful. I think it can speak on its own. So I'm, that's why I read it in the context. This is from Exodus chapter 5. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. They told Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, okay? He's the king. He's not some little governor somewhere. He's not a mayor somewhere. He's the king, the ruler of all the land, the empire at that time. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people... They didn't go in and say, you know what? God's asking if you'll give, uh, if, you'll, if, you'll let it, if you'll let his people go. Would, would you do that, Pharaoh, please? I mean, it's for your bit. Nope. They said, the Lord God of Israel said, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness... And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? And you see that? That's capital letters. Yahweh. This is who he's speaking about. That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. Who is is this Yahweh? Who is this God that you speak of? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I know not the Lord, and he didn't know him. He knew him enough to be condemned by him, Romans 1. Neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee. Three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get you into your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. There's going to be no rest. This is kind of like uh, the the French Revolution, what they pushed. We're not going to listen to God. We're not going to have a seven-day week. We're going to have a ten-day week. We're going to work our animals and our people to death. This is how how Pharaoh was acting. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day that the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. As heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves, and the tell of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them, ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus Pharaoh, thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get your straw where you can find it. Ye yet not out of, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. 
And the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmaster hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. So here's what's going on. Moses says, let the people go so that they may serve the Lord. They won't do it. Pharaoh hardens his heart. Remember, before Moses stepped foot into Egypt, God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I know all you freewheelers out there saying, oh, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Yeah, it says that later on. But before Moses stepped foot in there, God said, I'm going to harden his heart. That ought to cause you to tremble. You are a vessel Are you used for honor or dishonor? Pharaoh was a vessel of dishonor. Christians are called to be vessels of honor. And the pot does not speak to the potter and say, why did you make me so? Read Romans 9. How could you do this to me, God? No, no, no. The pot doesn't have a mouth to speak. It's silent before its creator. It does what it's intended to do. And what, did, what, what was Pharaoh's, what was God's wonderful plan for Pharaoh's life? It was to destroy him. It was to show his glory in judgment and the destruction of the gods of Egypt. That was God's wonderful plan for Pharaoh's life, to harden his heart and use him to, to demonstrate the nature and the character of the true and living God. It wasn't to build Pharaoh up in his kingship. Now, God obviously gave him that role, but that wasn't God's de- desire, in desire. His in desire was to use Pharaoh in such a way that he glorified him in his wrath, in his justice, in his holiness. That's why that was God's wonderful plan for Pharaoh's life. Okay? To use the words of Rick Warren, who doesn't speak about that in such a way. So he does this, and as we go down through Several chapters, I think it's like three chapters in the book of Exodus. What do we find? We find over and over Moses coming back in saying, God said, let the people go. Let the people go, Pharaoh. It's going to be worse on you. Until finally, God kills all the firstborn in Egypt of the houses that do not have the blood on the doorposts. And you'll notice they're at the top, they're at the sides, it's the you can see the sign of the cross there. I'm not getting Roman Catholic with that. You can see the you can see the the sign of the cross on the doorposts. That was what protected the firstborns of every household who had that on their doorposts. Namely the the Israelites. Why? Because they resisted the tyrant. They resisted the tyrant, and they obeyed God. I'm going to finish up with this. I'm going to give you a couple more examples. We won't, we won't stay terribly long, I don't think. So if you want to join us, Red State Talk Radio, head over to beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live, and uh, catch Bradley at 3. We'll see you right into the core Wednesday, 6 a.m. Adios. Okay, I think I got all of it there. Welcome, everybody, from Sons of Liberty, or Sons of Liberty, Red State Talk Radio. And let's just finish a couple of these things here. Now, again, if you want to read this, this is uh, excuse me, Ephesians, Exodus chapter five, uh, verse or through chapters chapter eight, okay, um, and you'll see what all takes place there in the book of Exodus as Moses resists the authority that God has allowed to come up in Egypt. 
Okay? Now, let me ask you something. For those of you who've been taught this Romans 13 nonsense about submitting to every authority, and that if you resist it, then you're resisting God. Let me ask you something. Who sent Moses in there to resist Pharaoh? God. God sent Moses in to Egypt to resist Pharaoh. How could Moses do that without sinning? Because Pharaoh was acting tyrannically. That means without law. He's a law unto himself. At least that's how he set himself up. And Moses was there to say, Hey, um, (laughs) let the people go. The Creator said so. Let him go. The judge, if you will, said so. Let him go. And Pharaoh's like, nope, ain't doing it. I don't know why I continue to get that Yul Brenner picture in my mind of the Pharaoh. But nevertheless. So Moses is an example. There are many examples throughout all Scripture, but Moses is a really big example. Okay. Then we have somebody by the name of John the Baptist. And uh, we see in... Matthew chapter 14, and let me just read this passage here. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And Herod, For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. See, Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. She was a wicked woman, too. She's like a Jezebel of the day. He had taken her as wife. And he bound John over that issue. Why? Because John was calling it out. Look at verse 4 of chapter 14 of Matthew. For John said unto him, that's to Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have her. Now, who's Herod? Now, he's on the Edomite side of things. He's on the Edomite side of things. And yet, he's under the control of Rome, and what does John say? He says to him, I'm not appealing to Roman law. It is unlawful for thee to have her. And would he would have put him to death, that's Herod, would have put John to death. He feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet, that's counted John as a prophet. The word of God had not been heard for 400 years. All of you people buying into Apocrypha as the word of God, all of you people who are buying into Book of Enoch and all this other stuff as the word of God, you're sadly mistaken. God did not speak to the people for 400 years. Okay? He said Elijah would come before, you read Malachi, the end of Malachi. He says that, or excuse, yeah, Malachi. You you read that and he said, Elijah will come, he's going to, Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And if you remember, Jesus said, if you can receive it, John was that Elijah who was to come. Okay? So John was the greatest prophet up until that time. Okay? And John told Herod it was unlawful for him to have his brother's wife, specifically while Philip was living. Okay? And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, listen to how wicked this guy was. When Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Now, this is not she's doing some kind of little ballet, okay? 
She's not doing a cute little dance to the latest tune of the day. She's doing an erotic dance. Just let that sink in for a second. Herod's married to this wicked woman, and he's watching her daughter do some kind of erotic dance that pleased him. You get the idea. I don't have to go any further. Whereupon he promised, because she did this erotic dance and he's got these visions in his head of God knows what, he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head on a charger. Or most of your translations say, on a platter. You want to talk about somebody sick? That comes from mom. But the daughter is willing to follow in the footsteps of mom and say, yeah, I want a man's head on a platter. This is how sick this is. And the king was sorry. Not with godly repentance, but with worldly sorrow. Doesn't bring about repentance. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in prison. And his head was brought in on a charger and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mother. And John's disciples, they came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now this is a despicable man. This is a despicable man. And we have it reiterated in the gospel of Luke. Let me give you a couple examples, because this is great. This is, this is really great what happens here. This is Luke chapter 3, by the way. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Aturia, and the region of Traconitus, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now that's who John is. They would ask him, Are you a prophet? Are you this guy? And he says, I'm this guy right here. <laughs> I'm the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. By the way, if you have Jehovah's Witness friends, take them back there and say, Who's this talking about? Because <laughs> when you go read it in the Old Testament in Isaiah, it's specifically referring to it's referring to Yahweh. Okay? It's specifically referring to Yahweh. So who is John the Baptist making way for? And your Jehovah's Witness friends will say, well, he's making way for Jesus. But they don't believe Jesus is Yahweh. They believe he's a created being named Michael, the archangel. Use that on them. Help correct them from their brainwashing and from their deception. He goes on and he says, Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, listen to this. This is, this is, this is huge. This is the Christian message. 
I hear people tell me, well, if you're still stuck on repentance, you know, and, and faith in Jesus and all, then you're not preaching the New Testament. I've had people tell me some of that nonsense. These people are so far off base, they don't know up from down. They really don't. This is the same message that Jesus proclaimed, by the way, same message that the apostles proclaimed, okay? Just letting you know. Therefore, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, if you say you're repentant, let's see it in your life. This is what James is talking about when he's talking about you're justified by your works. If you've really been justified on the inside, show it to me on the outside. See, because I can't see the others. It's kind of like Jesus saying, telling the guy your sins are forgiven, and then he notices the Pharaoh saying, who is this guy to be saved? Sins are forgiven. He says, you're wondering about what you can't see, whether I can do it? Let me show you what, I, what the outside looks like. And he tells the guy to get up, and the guy gets up and he walks out of the house. He'd been lame all his life. That's what he's saying. Therefore, bring forth fruits, uh, fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. You know what that gets you. That gets you nothing. If you're thinking you're going to skirt into heaven on the faith of your mom and daddy, no, you're, you're not going to do it. Get it right. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. <laughs> he can take some rocks and do that. And now also the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, that therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. This is his message. And the people asked him. I love this because I know some of you uh, in the chat, you go, well, what do we do? Especially when we talk about political things which have biblical implications, right? Some of you guys ask what we do. I understand that because I get it. That's the kind of question I ask. What do we do? And the people are no different. What shall we do then? So John gives some practical answers to them about bearing forth fruits of repentance. Listen to what he says. He answered and said to them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath not one. Let me ask you something. How many of you out there in America, and if you're listening around the world or wherever, how many of you got like, I don't know, three, four, five coats in your in your closet? What are you doing with three or four or five coats? I get it if you got like a light coat and a heavy coat. I get that. Okay? What about the other ones? Are you giving them away? Are you being repentant, bringing forth fruits of repentance? Or are you being a miser? Are you, are you being a hoarder? Are you being covetous and an idolater over clothing? Just curious. This is one of the things that blows my mind about a lot of these, these guys who want to... Uh, men, men, who have a whole closet full of shoes like a woman. Most of them are tennis shoes. Like a woman. I think I got a pair of tennis shoes, a pair of boots, and a pair of Crocs, which I, that's mostly what I wear if I have shoes on. That's it. The boots are for working. The tennis shoes, if I'm going to go running or playing, which I very rarely wear those things. In fact, they might be too small for my feet now. And the Crocs, which is pretty much what I wear to go about. Do you got enough for yourself? What are you doing to take care of somebody else? That's what he's saying. Let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat... Let him do likewise. Do you have an abundance of supply of food? Where's your repentance in taking care of your brothers? This isn't a government thing. It's not communism. It's saying if you, if you actually love God, if you say you're repentant, then demonstrate it by what you do. He goes on and he says this. Then came also the publicans to be baptized and said to them, Master, what shall we do? Now, the publicans, this is, these guys, okay, check this out. These guys would be your, um, your CPAs, your accountants today. 
And I'm going to tell you, the vast majority of CPAs and accountants today are not telling you the truth about what the tax code says. Because if they told you the truth about it, the vast majority of you listening to me would not owe, you would owe zero income tax. And that's by law. If you want to start yourself out, go to tax on, I think it's, uh, let me bring this up. I meant, I meant to bring this up actually anyway. Um, uh, it's called, I'm doing this on the fly here, but it's been a while since I looked at it, but I believe this is what it is. If it's not, I will get, yo, this is it. TaxHonestyPrimer.com. Now, how many of you guys know David Zuniga that we've had on the show many times, friend of mine from Tactical Civics? This is what he wrote, and he wrote it based upon the law, based upon the tax code, and all of these kinds of things, okay? So, he shows you, he now he gets into a little bit of rant here too, don't get me wrong, but he shows you in here how that is lawful. If you're just trading your time for money, there is no income tax, period. There's no income tax. There's just not. And that's by law. Now, if you're a foreigner, you got income tax. If you work for the government, you got income tax. I mean, literal income tax. If you sell alcohol, tobacco, firearms, or explosives... <laughs> You have an income tax. But if you're just trading your time for money, what we would call, I guess, wages, you don't have an income tax because you're not making a profit. Okay? Just a little tidbit here. I'm not trying to get too deep in things. I'm saying go look it up for yourself. Go get you one of the tax code books. It happens in the first couple of sections there of the tax code. And David points that out in here. And David's actually beat the IRS, too. He's lost to them. He learned from it, but he, he's beat them. So I just want to point you over there. That link will be in there if you didn't get it, okay? So we come here back to um, John the Baptist. The publicans come. These are these tax collectors, okay? Remember, Zacchaeus was one, and not only was he collecting what he was supposed to do from the from the Romans, he was tacking on his extra. He was cheating the people. He was... He was uh, taking it unto himself. And when Jesus came to his house, what happened? Well, Zacchaeus obeyed the law and demonstrated fruits of repentance by saying, "If I've, whoever I've stolen from, I'm going to pay back fourfold. Can you imagine how many people in that province he had taken from? And he was willing to go and say, I'm going to go make it right. Everybody I took from, I'm going to give them back fourfold. That's repentance. That's repentance. He said to them, exact no more than that which is appointed you. You're going to take just what you're supposed to take and nothing else. Quit cheating the people. Frankly, I think taxing people is cheating the people. The government has no, they have no right to the fruit of your labor. They just don't have it. They don't. Nevertheless, John said, quit stealing from the people. Quit cheating them. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man. Quit being an agent of the state. Neither accuse any falsely. And be... Oh, this is a good one. And be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. Now, i got to tell you, the other day, one of my sons came in, and we were talking, and there's a guy at the place he works, 
This guy wants to be a pastor. He's not married. He hasn't demonstrated any kind of character qualities within a family and how to teach and lead his family. And my my son was like, well, dude, you, you don't even have a family. And doesn't the Bible say something about that too? You know, you're supposed to demonstrate that. You're, you're kind of being a hypocrite when you're picking on other people about this and you want to be a pastor and yet you haven't even demonstrated that you can take care of yourself, let alone a family. I was glad to hear that. And one of the things the guy was complaining about was his wages. And I told my son, I said, he, and you know, he was fussing about, um, you know, some people work really hard and they got what they got. And I said, so they ought to be content. I said, son, when you go to work for somebody and you agree to work for them for minimum wage or $15 or $20, whatever you agree to, you should work as under the Lord, and you shouldn't complain about that wage because you agreed to it. I don't care if you stay there 20 years. Now, do I think it's right of an employer to treat his employees well and to give them increases in pay the more valuable they become to him? Yes, I do. Because the Bible speaks about them too. Masters not lording it over their slaves. Okay? But I said, you be content with your wages. You work as unto the Lord to glorify Him. See, I believe in two things. I believe, one, we preach the gospel with our mouth, and we come alongside it and we preach the gospel with our actions. Okay? The book of Ecclesiastes tells us, whatever we find to do with our hands, do it with all our might. So, he tells the soldiers, be content with your wages. Don't do anybody any harm. In other words, change the way you're doing things. Right? That's what repentance is. He goes on and he says this, And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, which he wasn't, John answered, saying unto them, All, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, that's Jesus, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff, he will burn with fire unquenchable. There's judgment. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. And then it notes this. Watch this. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him. Why? I read it to you in Matthew. Because he's, he's, he's got his brother's wife. This wicked woman Herodias. Being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done. He didn't just call it out that. He just he called out all of his evils. Added yet this above, that he shut up John in prison. And we know the story, that he went on to behead him. For a lap dance, let's, let's put it that way. That, that's, that's what he was doing it over. His own fleshly, lustful desires. That's, that's what brought it about. Can you imagine the wrath of God that Herod faced? Uh, anyway. So, we come over into the book of Acts. Okay, so that's, that's John. Some people say, well, that's intertestamental period. Um, we, we don't have anything like that in the New Testament. Because Paul says that we're just to submit to the authorities. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> you go to Acts chapter 5, okay? And let me switch over here so you guys see that. Acts chapter 5. 
And uh, there you see, beginning in, let's see, uh, verse 17. The high, Let's just pick up there, because there's something that goes before. If you want to read that, I'll have the link in the thing where you can go read it, if you don't have a Bible, okay? I'll have the link there in the, in the archive where you can go read it for yourself. Amen, Eric. Don't let anybody outwork you. Have integrity in your work, even when nobody's looking. And the high priest rose up, this is verse 17 of chapter 5 of the book of Acts, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Now, I got a little joke I tell. The Pharisees were ones who believed in angels, the afterlife, and all that, and the Sadducees didn't, didn't believe in an afterlife, didn't believe in the angels and demons and stuff, and that's why they were sad, you see. Ha ha. It's a dad joke. My kids say those are dad jokes. Okay, so just a little humor. A little comic relief in the midst of the seriousness here, okay? They were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. So they took the apostles, they put them in prison, okay? And the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught, but the high priest came, and they that were with them, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety. <laughs> Can you imagine these guys? <laughs> I'm sorry. You... I have in my mind sort of a comedy film going on here because you've got angels bringing out these apostles. I mean, they're just, you know, they're not these men who are, you know, highly esteemed and stuff. They're just regular old Joes like most of us here, most of you listening to me and me, right? They're just regular old people. Uh, They're in prison, okay, being guarded. The angel comes and opens up the prison door. They go out. They go out and start preaching, right? And here comes these guys, the officers. We found that they were shut up all safely. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like Colonel Clink and his, you know, his goons there. I know nothing. I know nothing. And the keepers standing without before the doors. But when he had opened, we found no man within. I know nothing. I wish I could play the clink thing. I'm going to have to put that on the soundboard. My computer's coming back today, so tomorrow we should be more, I don't know. Maybe you guys can't tell it on that end, but I can tell it. So uh, they, they didn't find any man within. And when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereinto this would grow. They, they was like, oh, man, if this gets out that these guys just got out of prison, the, the people are going to have a cow over us. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And when the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, I mean, these guys, uh, this is the stupidity of, of, of tyrants, okay? Thank you, Sergeant Schultz. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was saying clink. He was he was was he the guy with the little eyeglass? Sorry, I'm not trying to chase a rabbit. He was the he was the German dude with the with the little eyeglass, right? The ball headed dude. It's been so long since I've seen that. I really I would love to take that and show that to my kids because they we used to show them some of the old television shows when they actually used to be somewhat clean and things. Uh, 
they still had their problems, but uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> these guys had already they had already taken and put them in jail. They got out of jail. They're out there preaching, and it says mm, they went and got them again, and they brought them, and they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name, the name of Christ, the way? Okay, that's how they, they, were, they were called followers of the way. Early Christians were called followers of the way. You can find that in the scriptures. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. No, friends. L- let, me, let me tell you something. They brought his blood upon them. Do you remember for Jesus' Jesus's crucifixion? And um, uh, Pilate says, Well, who shall I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, who's called the king of the Jews? Who, who am I going to release to you? And the crowd, including these hypocrites right here, said, Give us Barabbas. Away with this man. Crucify him. Crucify him. His blood be upon us and our children. That's what they said. His blood be upon us and our children. And indeed it was. Jesus said the judgment was coming against him. He warned of the judgment in Matthew 23 against these hypocrites. And it came in the full fury and wrath of the true and living God. Here's what they say. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's exactly what they should do. Christian, I don't care if you're in the United States, in Mexico, Brazil, Austria, England, Romania, Zimbabwe, China, Russia, you are to obey God rather than man. And I don't say that with my finger pointed at you, because you know the old saying, when you're pointing with one finger, there's three pointing back at you. The preacher must preach to himself, first and foremost. I am to obey God rather than men. And here's the thing. I think about this stuff constantly. And I pray the day come where, you know, it's depending upon my life or the life of my family or something, whether I'm to obey God or man. Will I give in to that? And I pray God give me courage that I, I'm a weak man. I'm just like most people. I want to keep my life. I want people to like me. I want all those kinds of things. But I believe God builds us up little by little to face the test that he's going to give us. And we pass little tests along the way as he strengthens us by his spirit, because we're not able to stand. We're not able to stand by ourselves. We won't. Most men will cower when they give big words, when they talk about their testosterone on the keyboard and this, that, and the other. They will back off when it's going to cost them their life, the life of their little ones, their lo- the wife of their, w- their wife, the loss of their property. They will back off. Many of them will. You've seen them do it. You've seen them sell out. But the command is, the same as it was for Peter. And we ought to be able to say the same thing. We ought to obey God rather than men. Let me, let me finish this up because they went on to speak. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, 
whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Who is he? He's talking about the leaders here. He's talking about the religious leaders, the political leaders here in Jerusalem. He says, ye slew and hanged on a tree. Well, I thought the Romans did that. Well, they did. But these guys were backing it. They were pushing it. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel. I want my little um, troll friend, last day's madness guy, Jim Beckwith, to, to read that. Give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Give it to them. They don't have it. They don't have it, repentance. They don't have forgiveness of sins. He, somebody had to give it to him. It was God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who gives it. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Now, here's the difference here. These guys were cut to the heart. You remember in Acts chapter 2, the people heard the message of Peter, and what happened? They were cut to the quick, and they were like, what do we have to do to be saved? These guys, it affected them so bad, they wanted to kill them. We're going to shut you up permanently if you won't shut your own self up. Let me tell you something. That stuff is going on today. What are these fools doing in big tech and media and the self-proclaimed bought and paid for fact checkers doing? They are trying to silence you from speaking the truth about what's going on in this pandemic. That's what they're trying to do. And if they had their way, they would come murder you. Make no mistake, they would, Mark Zuckerberg would send a team of assassins to murder you and me. That's what they would do. Joe Biden would do it too. Donald Trump would be right in there. Don't think that he's your friend. He's the one who started this whole thing. So that's what's going on. Again, morning time, people are up and stuff's going on. Okay, I'm going to finish this up. Then stood there one up in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. This is the guy who taught the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. Gamaliel did. A doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thudius, um, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. And this man rose up to rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And I say unto you, refrain from these men, not that he agreed with them, because he didn't, and let them alone. For this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And what was the result of this? Well, they let him go, and look at verse 42. And daily in the temple, and in... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's pick up for, verse 41 first. They let him go, and they commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then verse 41 says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
You know, that reminds me of the words of Jesus where he says, leap for joy when you're persecuted. How many of you guys out there, you're persecuted for righteousness sake. How many of you guys just go out and do a little jig? You, you jump up and down, right? You crank up the music and you do a little dance out there to rejoice that God counted you worthy to suffer for his name. That's what they did. And verse 42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. It was a holy way of... I hate to even use the the picture. It's a holy way of flipping them off, okay? It was to say, we're going to obey God. You can make all the rules you want to. We're going to obey God. And we're going to rejoice in the process while you persecute us. That is so foreign to many people. It's We get down on ourselves and we feel a little depressed. and We have a little pity party and, and God commands us to rejoice that we've been found worthy to suffer for His name, even if it means our reputations are sodded by people in the society. And yet, that's what they did. That's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with a message of hope. Our king has already won the battle. A lot of, and I said this the other day. Jesus has already won. There is already victory that's been accomplished. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Why should we not go rejoicing, confronting the gates of hell, and taking them over? Not just confronting them, taking them over. Pressing the crown rights of King Jesus against the wicked men in our society and saying, no, your daddy doesn't get to make the rules. Our daddy established the law. That's, that is the attitude Christians have, have. But today, what's the attitude of Christians? We just got to, you know, we, 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 we got to submit to the authority. Isn't that what Romans 13 says? And you know, we don't want to get in trouble and we don't want to go to jail. Forget the fact that, that your brothers and sisters are being persecuted all over the world in jail, in hunger, in nakedness, some of them being murdered in front of their own families, some of them entire villages being slaughtered, and you want the comfort of whatever, the cable TV washing over you, your little job your car, your house. Friends, repent. If you have that mindset, you're about yourself, you're not about honoring God, and the end result of anyone who escapes the wrath of God is that they come to Him in repentance and they seek to honor Him. And all they say, and all they do, and all they think, and whatever the motives of their hearts are, that's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to take that and to love their neighbor as their self. Bradley, be with you at 3 o'clock. Don't miss that. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning. It'll be caught, uh, rotten to the core Wednesday with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor. Don't miss that. See you then.